Good, good morning. Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We're disciples of Jesus that build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. And I'm glad to see that some of you made it today on this very cold Valentine's Day. Uh, it's a freezing, freezing cold. And for those of you who are joining us online, I know that somebody... Uh, as uh, we have a few people that we're looking at maybe bringing on to our staff here that uh, live in warmer places, and I'm pretty sure they're watching today. I want to warn you that occasionally Colorado gets cold, but uh, our hearts are warm, and I'm glad that you're here. And uh, we're going to continue our series, Family Matters, as we uh, continue to look at how uh, God puts together healthy families, and our church is a family. What that look like? One of the things that we get to do as a family every year is our members get together for a meeting. We talk about what happened in the past year. We celebrate those things. We look at the difficulties and all that as well. And then we look ahead into the next year and we talk about what does God have for us. And we make those plans and all of that. We also get to affirm our officers and, and our budget and those types of things. That's our membership meeting. And that happens next week. And that's for our members. But this has been a different year. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, it's been a little bit strange. And uh, I know that not all of our members feel comfortable congregating at a meeting. And so this year, we're going to be doing in person, but we're also going to be using Zoom to be able to go in. And I want to bring this up for this purpose, is that the elders, and for me, we really want to make sure that we are as right as we possibly can be as a church family, right? So we have these things called bylaws, which are basically our family rules, right? This is how we say we're going to operate. And one of the bylaws in there, and I know I'm not going to make this too boring, but it's Article 3, and it's called Congregational Meetings, which talks right about that. And the very last point on that says, for the annual meetings, a quorum shall consist of members eligible to vote, and that's anybody that's a church member who's been baptized and part of the church, joined the church, uh, who is 16 or older, present in person at the meeting. No member may vote by proxy or by absentee ballot. And I'll tell you, our elders, we got our, sat around this. We had a special meeting. We talked about how are we going to do this. Is, uh, we want to make sure that we are doing things right. And that's kind of the hang point for us. As we read that, we really believe that the heart as the pastors, those, the congregation that as we wrote this, the idea is we want people to be present at the meeting. So we, you know, we're there, you can ask questions, you're live, and you're part of that. Now, in 1996, when we drafted this, only in science fiction could we have dreamed of Zoom, right? And so, as the elders, we talked about it, we believe that we're, the heart of this will allow folks, if they are live on Zoom, to be able to join in. In order to guarantee that you're there, we're taking a, uh, a little trick from the schools, is that we have to have your camera on, and we have to see you. Right, And you have to be there, and only those that are members of the church who are live in person at that meeting will be able to vote. That said, this is a gray area, and so this is why I'm bringing it up. If anybody has a concern about that, you have a week, and I would love to hear from you so we can see if we can address that. If everybody's good with it, then this is how we're going to do it. If not, we'll still have our members meeting on Zoom, and you'll be able to join, but I'm not sure we'll be able to count your vote. So I want to make sure that everybody is okay with that. Okay, there you go. Family meeting, there you go. Uh, let's get to the rest of our message today. Valentine's Day is a, a day of love, right? It's a day that we celebrate and remember the courage of a, of a man, a saint, who really had such a high regard for the family that God had created and the holiness of marriage that he was willing to risk and actually face the ire of an empire because 
he dared to believe that marriage is from God, not from the state. And God has designed it, and he has decreed it, and therefore, we're going to allow people to, he allowed uh, soldiers, which at that time weren't allowed to be married. He says, I'm going to marry them. I'm going to allow them to marry their, their spouses and, and all of that. And throughout the ages, Christians have looked back on this man and said his courage, because he certainly suffered greatly for his, his stand, have looked back and said, you know what, we're going to honor the way that God has designed love to work through the family. And we get to do that today. And part of how we honor it is not just by saying people should be married or, and how that happens, but also how families operate. There's a godly way to live. And we get to talk about part of that today. How do we have a godly family? Well, last week we talked about godly families are families that serve one another. Well, if you serve one another, you're going to get taken advantage of from time to time. Right? If you serve one another, there's going to be people who aren't going to be so grateful that you're serving. And as you place yourself in the place of a servant, there are going to be times where you're just going to be wronged. Plus, you're just going to be wronged anyway because it's earth, right? Because we live with humans. That's why godly families aren't just serving families, but they're also families that are forgiving. And we can talk about what does that look like today. As we move into that, our memory verse for the series does give us our motivation to forgive because forgiveness is not always easy. 1 John 4.20, and hopefully it's starting to get a little bit uh, more solid in your heart, but if not, just give it a couple weeks. Let's say it together. Here we go. 3, 2, 1. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. 1 John 4.21, again. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. 1 John 4.21, last time. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. 1 John 4.21, excellent. That passage, I hope, is starting to seep into your heart. It's giving you opportunity of motivation to love somebody else, which means to choose their good above your own, because we love God. All right, if you have that, let's turn in our Bibles then to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. This was uh, written by the, uh, uh, the disciple Matthew, who was there recording the works of Christ. And, uh, of course, those are saved for us, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so we can see what Jesus actually did teach and all of that. And in Matthew 18, we are in the middle of a point in which Jesus is giving his the disciples as well as the people around him a description of the kingdom lifestyle jesus came to set up his own kingdom his whole way of society how things were going to work and be very different than the ways the world works and in this description he's talking about uh, the importance of purity all right the moral purity and how we are supposed to live in that kingdom he's he's talking about how we're supposed to as christians deal with sin and the the gravity of sin and in the middle of all of that Jesus tells the most surprising parable about forgiveness. And so we're going to read it starting, uh, Matthew 18, starting in verse uh, 21 as it begins. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. He began the settlement, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to pay the debt. 
At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found out one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt back. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Ouch, Jesus. (laughs) This is one of those sermons that I was so glad that I started writing a year ago. Because I wasn't ready to preach this a couple of weeks ago. I'll be honest with you, the last year and all the injustice and everything that we went through put into my heart a desire not to forgive. And I was like praying honestly to God. I was like, God, I know that you are forgiving God, but I pray right now you be a God of justice. (laughs) And I would like to see your curses fall upon my enemies, please. And then I had to prepare for this. And God's word is powerful. I think the cool thing about God's word is when it offends us, it shows me that my beliefs are offensive to him. And then I have to change. And there's something powerful in this that Jesus has for us, that forgiveness is is a powerful thing, and his kingdom is going to be a kingdom that has forgiveness as part of its culture. And if we want to be part of that kingdom, then we need to have this in our culture. This is important. There's a lot that we can learn about forgiveness in this passage, in this parable that Jesus taught. And here are some things, some lessons that I went through the last few months as God was preparing me so that I could give you this message honestly. And the first thing that I discovered in this is that forgiveness is needed. You know, as I was sitting there in my high and righteous heart, high horse, right? I was sitting there saying, Lord, smite your enemies. I forgot for a moment that I was his enemy. Romans 3.23, all of sin falls short of the glory of God. We all stand condemned. I deserve God's wrath. And it's not just that past Aaron deserved God's wrath. Present Aaron is a stinker too. Right? I'm constantly messing up. I'm like a little baby that's learning to walk, and I take a step, and then I fall down. Here's the thing. God is a God of justice. He is, and we can trust his justice, but we need his mercy. I need his mercy. You need his mercy. We have unpayable debts to God. You see in this passage, the ridiculous amount of gold this this man owed the king? 
10,000 bags of gold. Think about that. I can't even pick up a bag of gold. It's so heavy. Like, what did this dude do to, to like, get that kind of debt? In my entire life, I will work hard in one of the wealthiest nations in the history of the world, and I will never earn as much money as 10,000 bags of gold. This man had a debt he could never, ever repay. Ever. To the point that it's going to cost him his life, his family's life, and everything he owned. It was hopeless. And to recognize that we were all there. We have sinned against God. And how can you unsin? Can you uncommit a crime? Can you unmurder somebody? Can you unlie? We have a stain upon our soul. We, we are guilty before God. Romans 6, that the, the wage of sin is death. And here's the thing. If you sin, that's the cost of it. That's the price. You have to surrender your life. And for me, I don't know about you, but I'm not a cat. I was given one life. Once I sinned, it's over. Just once. But here's the deal. I've sinned more than once. This week. I already owe 10,000 bags of gold. This is not just hyperbole. We owe God an unsettable debt. If it's not forgiven, it, what do we do? We're hopeless. Forgiveness is needed. But it's not just needed between me and God. And I'm grateful that I have received God's grace, that God forgave my debt and continues to that when Jesus died on the cross because he is God and he's more than just a man, he has more than just life, he has eternal life, infinite life. He is enough to pay for all of the sins and all of people and all of time. And he still has life to spare. That's how infinity works. That my God paid all of my debt, past, present, and even future Aaron's stupid debt. My sins, he's paid for. That I draw daily upon his grace. Daily upon his grace. And so I can go to God like we did today in communion and remember the price that was paid. And so I can go to him without fear when I mess up and when I sin and I can approach him and I can receive that grace in my time of need. I can do that daily and you can too. Isn't that wonderful? We need this so we can have connection with God. We don't have to fear him. He's not going to be a debt collector for us any longer price has been paid but we don't just need that between us and god we need that with each other and this parable began not with a theological question where peter says how many times will god forgive me my sin that's not what he asked he said how many times do i have to forgive someone who sins against me have you ever been sinned against has everyone wronged you welcome to humanity i have been sinned against multiple times this week <laughs> it's only sunday <laughs> here's the deal we have brokenness and that brokenness cuts against other people constantly that's what we do and the question is honest he's like do i just have to forgive this person because they were doofus ones i get that how about seven times that's a lot right and Jesus, when he says 77 times, he's not saying take a scoreboard and just start counting. Well, I'm sorry, this is your 78th time you've messed up. No more for you. 
That's not what he's saying. And not even 70 times 7. It's not 490 times. It's however many times it takes. Why? Well, to begin with, we mess up. And if we constantly judge each other and say, I'm only going to forgive you when you deserve it, you will never forgive a person. That's never going to happen. Somebody can't unsin against you. When they've messed up, they've said something mean, they've, they've treated you poorly, they've ripped you off, they've done something harsh to you, right? They've wronged you. There's nothing that they can do that will pay that back. Now, they can try to make it better. You ever heard of the eye for an eye? Right, that God came up with that Old Testament saying in, in his governance that we're going to have a, a legal system that has justice and equity written there, like equality as far as you're going to have this idea that if somebody pokes your eye out, you can't just blind them. You can't take two eyes for one. It's going to be one for one, which is a good concept, and our whole legal system is kind of based upon that idea. It's a good idea. But here's the thing. If somebody pokes your eye out, even if you poke their eye out, you don't get to see out of the eye that you lost. Right? There's no number of eyes that they can give that gives you your full sight back. When we have been wronged, we can never fully be made whole in and of ourselves. So what do you do with that? Well, a lot of us, we cling to the wrong, don't we? And then we try to pound out somebody else until they give us our sight back, which will never happen. Homes and churches with no grace are going to be legal war zones in which you're trying to count out the number of eyes that have been poked out until you're all both blind and miserable. God's kingdom is supposed to be a better place than that. What I discovered in these last few months as I've been preparing this message is that I need God's grace. That's the reason why Jesus said that we're supposed to forgive is because I've received grace. But I also need to offer grace. That as long as I'm holding on to this bitterness on the inside, as long as I continue to be the, the scorekeeper, all I'm looking for are ways that you have wronged me. And then just to make sure that my balance is better, that maybe I've wronged you just a little less so that I can ask God to slap you. That's not a healthy way to live. He doesn't want our homes to be this thing, well, I'm a better person than you. No, I'm a better person than you. And then we have these war zones in our homes about who's supposed to be forgiven. And then we hold on to past things that somebody's wronged me with, so I've got some ammunition. So that way, when I wrong that person, I can be like, oh, yeah, well, I did that, but you did this. We're not supposed to live like that. That's the way the world works. Do you like the way the world works? No. God's kingdom's different. Forgiveness is needed. But it's not just needed. Forgiveness is an expression of love. And on Valentine's Day, I find this particularly important. The very first Valentine's Day that I had my, my wonderful, beautiful wife, Amy, I was a young 21-year-old, and I was a guy, because I still am, and I was born one. And uh, because of that, I just don't have Valentine's radar. Right? I got married to her. I thought this was good. I came back from a hard day of work because it was February and it was cold. And I came into the apartment and I could just tell I had done something wrong. But I couldn't for the life of me figure out what. And she's like, it's fine, which means it's not. <laughs> and finally, I got her to admit, it's like, well, what's the date? And I'm like, Tuesday. <laughs> She's like, no, the calendar. I'm like, that's February something. I don't know, February. Valentine's Day. I was like, oh. And then I realized this is important. It's an expression of love. Now, here's the most amazing thing about my wife. Is she's a forgiving person. She recognized I didn't mean to do it. I was just stupid. So she educated me. Okay. 
well, what do you do then? I couldn't undo it. It's not like, okay, well, here, I'll go get your flowers now. That's not the point. She forgave me. I bring it back up to teach others, but she's never brought that back up, not once in all of our 24 years of marriage. She gave me another chance. She allowed there to be grace that would happen, and so the next year when there was Valentine's Day, do you think I remember? <laughs> yeah, because I had been given grace. I didn't give it because I thought, well, she's going to need this. I thought, this is something that my wife, it matters to her. And so now it matters to me. Grace changes us. It's an expression of love. It's giving to somebody else what they need for their benefit. Now, my wife could have held to that, and she could have beaten me over the head every single year, and it would have ruined every one of her Valentine's Days for the last 24 years, but it hasn't because she chose to forgive. And because I chose to be forgiven, and I allowed that to happen, and I learned from it, and I grew from it, we found harmony and grace and wonderful relationship. This is the power of forgiveness in a home. It's love in action. And if we love God, we must love our brother and sister. Isn't that what the parable teaches us? If we want to receive the forgiveness of heaven, shouldn't we also forgive one another? We give to others what they need. Third thing about forgiveness, though, and this is the challenging one, and I get it. God is bigger than our brains. And you're like, well, once saved, always saved, Aaron, right? We're saved, right? And we're not saved by works and all of this. Can I lose my salvation if I, if I don't forgive and all that? I tell you what, this is what Jesus says. This is how your heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. That's what it says. Does it mess with my doctrine? Yes. It should because God's bigger than my brain. Right? But what I do get from this is that my Heavenly Father says forgiveness is not optional. And I will tell you, I want to receive a lot of grace from God because I know that I need it. Which is the motivator sometimes for me as I've been looking at what has happened over this past year and all of the frustrations that I see and all the things and the enemies that I have that I would love to see God smite. I recognize that I need grace. And if I want to receive that grace, I have to ask for that grace, but I need to extend that grace. I need to be kind to those who are not kind to me. Just like Jesus said, aren't we supposed to pray for those who are evil to us? Are we to bless those who say horrible things about us? Are we to be serving those who work against us because he's done those things for us when we cursed him and we, we rejected him? And we treated him poorly. Yeah. If you are a Christian, forgiveness is not a thing where you can say, well, I'll forgive him when I'm good and ready. No, you're going to forgive him right now. That's what you're going to do. Because that's what the king of kings does for you. He went to a cross. He died for your sins, which is a bigger debt than you're ever going to be able to pay. And he said, now you need to forgive other people. And it's not going to be easy, but it's not optional. In the family of faith, there is no room for grudges. None. And in our homes, there should be no room for grudges. And here's what happens when we take grudges. We take this wrong that somebody did to us, and we're like, ha, 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 I have it. I'm going to keep it. It's mine. It's precious, right? And then we bury it in the ground somewhere because it's precious to us. It's our little treasure. And then... Somebody we're living with, just like living their life, bloop, 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 and they step on that, and boom, it's like a landmine. And then you overreact on some little thing, and now you've wronged them, and so now they have their little precious, and they go hide it somewhere for you to step on. 
right? So we walk around our houses like we're, we're going through a minefield. We're not supposed to live like that. Forgiveness is not optional. In the kingdom of God, let us live in such a way where forgiveness is the norm. This is the language we speak, not just to one another, but to our world that is so broken and so needy of forgiveness. Can we be the example of that? It's not something that Jesus said, hey, I'd like for you to do it. He says, this is the way your heavenly father will treat you. So if you want to be forgiven, forgive. This is how we live. Now, another thing that you have, this is a bonus on your notes. Forgiveness has many benefits. This is something I discovered as I've walked through this. I have walked through what I'm going to teach you about walking through forgiveness. I'm telling you, it's not easy, but it has benefits. What's one of the benefits? It ends the war. Are you tired of living in a war zone? It ends it. When somebody comes to you and you're like, oh, I, I did this wrong, you're like, forgiven. And then you don't bring it up again because it's forgiven and you bring it to the cross. It's done. It's done. They don't have to earn it back. It's done. Because of that, it restores relationships. It softens your heart to those that need God's grace. It creates a culture of grace in which you can live, which also gives you the freedom to know that you're going to mess up too. But there'll probably be grace there for you as well. Because what you reap, you sow. And if you want to be shown grace, sow grace. Give it. In fact, the cool thing about how God works, the the principle of sowing and reaping, not only do you reap what you sow, you always reap more than what you sow. If you begin to be a graceful person, a forgiving person, a kind person, you will never be able to forgive people enough to receive the grace that you're going to receive. But it has to start by planting it. So how do you do it? Well, you have to build a habit, right? You have to build a habit. And how you do that, the first thing you got to do is receive God's grace. Peter said, how many times am I supposed to forgive these fools? Seven times? I mean, they are kind of slow. Jesus didn't say, I want you to muscle down and do it. He said, let me tell you a story about how you've been forgiven by your king. If you want to be a forgiving person without receiving God's grace, you can do it for a while, but you're going to run out of steam at some point. There are times, especially this year, the reason I've been able to work through my heart of forgiveness is because God has forgiven me. Once my sins have been forgiven by God, the 10,000 bags of gold, I now have a motivation and the ability and the inner wealth to be able to forgive other people their few hundred silver coins. So we have to start there. And know this, that yeah, you're going to be wrong, but God's going to give you beauty for ashes. He's going to work through that wrong and he's going to work through the opportunity of teaching you how to love and how to forgive. And he's going to make you a better person. In fact, Romans 6 says what? He's going he's to work all things together for the good of who love him, right? Or other place in Romans 6, 23, it says, you know what? The wage of sin is death, but what is also beyond that? The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. Receive his grace so you can give grace. If you haven't become a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to do it. This is where grace is first found. The greatest debt is ultimately paid off, and you are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you need to follow him, then I need you to tell me. We want to be able to help you grow up in a family of faith so you can believe and confess and repent and be baptized and be discipled in a healthy church home. And so there's information on our website. You can follow me there. You can 
email me, and we'll help you take those steps of faith. But if you receive God's grace and receive it each day, as we sin, go to him. Confess. Be honest with God. He's not going to turn you away. And as we do that, remember his grace daily. This last year, I had a lot of anger because I hate injustice and I hate the shenanigans that I see going around us in this world and all the brokenness. But I remember God's grace for me. And I've had to actively remember God's grace for me. And this is not a light, trite thing. It's like when I go to God daily and I'm like, okay, so I did this today and this today. And yeah, I deserve to be smacked down by you, God. um, Thank you for your grace for me. Help me to show that same grace to this person because I I really would like you to smack them too. But I remember you didn't do that for me, so teach me. We're honest with them, right? We forgive because we've first been forgiven. And then as we remember God's grace, you respond with grace. This is the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. This is us not doing what we want to do on the inside. This is us doing what God wants us to do. And so we show kindness. I have been praying for my enemies for about a month now. I wish I could tell you that it was longer than that, but I had a really hard time up till about a month ago when God really brought the conviction on me and I was, I was getting ready to go in the shower, uh, just so you know, this is what happened. I was going in there and I was like, God, smite this person, smite that person so I don't have to, right? And then, right, I was going in the shower and I saw the dirt come off of me And I was like, Lord, you forgave me. You washed me clean. They had the dirt of brokenness on them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to ask for your grace to come and cleanse them. And ever since that, I didn't just pray for them, but I have been working at being kind to those that are frustrating for me, how I respond. And if I'm wrong, to go and convict it and confess it. It's a process. So here's the thing. We have to respond with grace. Forgiveness is a process, it's not an event, okay? It's not something that just happens once and you're like, oh, I forgive you, now things are fine. No, every time you're remembered of the, f- of the event or the offense, you're gonna have to go and say, I'm nailing that to the cross again. God, I'm giving you this. I'm giving you justice if you wanna take it, but I'm asking for mercy. That's what I'm asking for. I'm asking for you to do a redemptive work while there's still time. You choose to respond with grace. And over the time period, as you continue to go back to the cross, God does some amazing things. And one of the things that's inside of you is he develops a softer heart inside of you that reflects the heart of Christ. He allows you to start praying genuinely for them. He allows you to actually feel that for their souls. He, he softens not just your heart, but then the whole relationship around it. People know when you're their enemy. But when you stop having the aggressive posture, it's amazing how the conversation changes. So respond consistently, continually. You're not going to do it perfectly, but be dedicated. Build this into your life so it becomes a habit, so it becomes a culture. As we bring that kind of culture into our homes, right, we bring it into the church, we naturally bring it into our community and our culture. Don't we need to be a more graceful culture? A more forgiving people, this is where we begin. So how do you do that? Well, if you have your connection card, I have some next steps. Things that I think uh, might help you. These are from my own personal experience that I've done over the last few months. Uh, The first one, memorizing 1 John 4.21. Let's remember that 
if you love God, you have to love other people, right? Your brother and sister. It's the way that it is. So memorize that. May God's word be that thing that propels you into this. Also, why don't you read Romans 1 through 3? You want to see why we need grace? Romans 1 through 3 will tell you why we need grace. If you ever think that you, humanity is all that, read Romans 1 through 3. But then you could continue reading a little bit further if you want to and find out how awesome our God is and how he's saved us in spite of what we've done. Also, third thing, maybe it's receive grace. Phil talked about that this morning in revival. Sometimes it's not just giving grace, but having the boldness to go and to ask for it. You don't, didn't just wrong God. You've wronged other people. And to go and to say, I, I'm sorry. I ask for forgiveness. And regardless if that person forgives you, accept the forgiveness of God. The last thing you need to do maybe this week is there's somebody you know you need to forgive. Make it specific. There are people that drive you nuts, that have wronged you. They poked out your eye. And they flaunt it. Forgive them. Not because they deserve it. Not because what they did is, is unjust. I forgive you. <laughs> forgive those who have wronged you. Take some time this week and begin the process. It's not an event. It's a process. So start now. And let's see what God does within us. All right? All right. So let me pray for you. I hope you made your commitments at the end of the uh, message you can drop your offering cards in the back there along with your tithes and your offerings and uh, let's uh, let's let's go to God with prayer father we thank you that you've forgiven us from all of our sins past present future because of Christ we see in this word a very high standard that you've you set before us you say I want you to forgive because you've been forgiven so father I pray that you help us to be a church that forgives one another that forgives our brother and sister, but also those in this world is because you are a forgiving God and we represent you. Lord, we confess the hardness of our heart. We confess sometimes the desire that we have just for justice without mercy, but we would love to receive your mercy. So help us to trust your justice as we beseech you for mercy, even for those right now who work against you. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, we pray that you take these commitments that we've made today. Draw us closer to you in them. Help us to become a more forgiving people as we follow you. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen.